let me get us started by praying for us. And um, yeah, I'll get into the outline of what all we're going to be talking about this week. So let's bow our heads. Father, we thank You so much for giving us life today. Uh, we thank You so much for Your goodness. Uh, so often we can get up and we can start living our day without thinking about all the ways in which You've uh, manifested Your grace already this morning. Uh, you sustained us through the night. Uh, you have given us air to breathe right now. You have given us hearts that are beating right now. You're sustaining all of life in this room right now. You've given us food. You've given us shelter. You've given us a little bit of sleep. Um, Lord, we we thank You for uh, this week uh, where we can step away from our typical context where we can dwell with other brothers and sisters in Christ and um, come together and worship Your name. Uh, We thank You for the music and uh, the singing we've already uh, taken part of this morning. We thank You for the treasure of Your Word uh, that we heard proclaimed last night and we'll hear this morning. Uh, Father, we are confident that Satan hates a week like this. Uh, That Satan hates Your church. Satan hates Your Word. And so he will do anything in his power to distract us from hearing and receiving Your Word. So Spirit, we call upon You uh, to give us focus on the truth of Your Scriptures. Uh, We ask that You would teach us. Um, that You would help us to see uh, how Your Word speaks to an issue like stress, anxiety, worry, fear. Um, That we would see uh, that Your Word is a treasure. uh, That Your Word is good. uh, That Your Word has power. Uh, We pray most of all that we would see Jesus Christ. That we would see how beautiful He is and all that He did uh, to save us and to secure salvation for us. And it's in His name we pray. Amen. Alright, um, my name is John Parrott. I'm the Director of Resources for RYM. Um, basically, I, it sounds very self-explanatory, I create resources for RYM. Written audio resources. Um, I've been on staff with RYM for almost three years. Um, prior to that, I was a Youth Director at Pear Orchard Presbyterian Church. Uh, for 12 years, I was there for um, in Ridgeland, Mississippi, I should say. I think there's a lot of Pear Orchard people right here. Um, so yeah, this is Pear Orchard. Uh, but yeah, so I was there for 12 years. I'm still still there. Um, just not on staff there. Uh, my wife's name is Ashley. Let's see. I don't know today's date because <laughs> a little sleep deprived, like all of you. But we're about to celebrate our anniversary. Thank you for 10 days. It's going to be our anniversary, and that'll be 16 years that we've been married. Um, we have five children. Um, one of my children is on this trip, um, so that's pretty cool. Uh, I think maybe next thing I should tell y'all, or just apologize, that we're using this television in this big room instead of these massive screens. Uh, but we can hook up to this. There's some uh, surprisingly copyright issues where I think they can only use one program back there. So anyway, I didn't understand it all. But this is what we have. So hopefully you in the back can see this okay. Um, if you can't, I'm sorry. Uh, just maybe try to get notes from somebody else. Um, we'll see if we can do something in the next few days to try to uh, remedy that. But this is going to be our screen uh, for now. 
Um, so look, here's our outline. I mean, you know, the, the class is stressed out, and I'm trying to think if it's uh, what the subtitle is, Living in a World of Worry and Anxiety, something along those lines. Um, so today, we're going to be looking at what is worry, what is stress, what is anxiety. Kind of defining that a little bit, helping us wrap our minds around that. Um, tomorrow, we're going to ask the question, why not worry? Why shouldn't we worry? And then on the last day, um, how should we deal with our worry? And then what I want to do on that, that last day is give you some practical steps. Of, okay, now that we've listened to this guy talk all week long and we're about to go back home to all of the anxiety and the worry that we're dealing with, how do, how do we deal with it um, as, as Christians? So look, I also wanted to give you some disclaimers. Uh, can somebody tell me what a disclaimer is? Anybody? Yes. In the back. I'm sorry, what? A warning. Yeah, that'd be good. And I, I forgot to put the slide on this. So that's the standard. I think it's jazz slide. So it's somebody playing a piano. Um, has nothing to do with the disclaimer. Uh, so yeah, kind of, kind of a, a maybe a warning. Um, and what I want to do, when you bring up a topic like anxiety, worry, I want to say from the outset, I'm not an expert on this. Um, that yes, there's a sense in which I'm an expert because I struggle with worry. <laughs> I struggle with anxiety, just like many of you, I'm sure, out there. But, but I'm not an expert in dealing with this uh, because there's a lot of different ways that you can be talking about um, this topic. And, and one of those ways is... Think about anxiety disorders. Um, again, I'm not spending a whole lot of time on this, so if you're kind of starting to glaze over and get a little uh, tired, um, people think a lot differently uh, about anxiety disorders. I mean, just in Christianity. We know outside the church as well, people have a lot of different thoughts. And so I'm not really dealing with anxiety disorders, uh, with like, you know, OCD, PTSD, things like that. Um, I'm not going to be talking about that um, as much. Uh, also, just, just mentioning as we talk about um, anxiety. Again, I'm throwing out some some big concepts, big big words to you. We need to think that there are people who struggle with anxiety who, who may maybe have a physiological issue, and just what that means is there's something physically wrong with uh, or something physical that people struggle with that may cause anxiety. For example, some of you in this room may have like a thyroid issue or a heart arrhythmia. Like if you have a heart arrhythmia, that makes your heart beat faster. And typically, whenever you're anxious, your heart starts beating faster. So if you have a heart arrhythmia, your heart's already beating faster, and that may manifest itself in feeling anxious. And so I just want to throw that out there, that as we're talking about anxiety and worry, I'm not really getting into these issues, but I just want to recognize that, that that could be some, some of you that struggle with that. And that's obviously something you should talk to your parents about and then go see a physician about, go, go to see a doctor. And so you know, as I'm talking about this, I just want to be very cautious because I'm not really getting into medicine as well. Um, I know people think, have all kinds of thoughts about, you know, should we take medication? Medication for our anxiety? Should we take medication um, for our worry? I'm not going to get into that because I'm afraid to get into that. I'm too anxious to get into that um, because I know people have a lot of... Um, there's, there's background issues to all of that. And really, in a three-day class, um, I don't really have 
a lot of time to get into all of those issues. So I want to kind of narrow our focus and how I'm, I'm talking about this. Um, so everybody with me on that? The disclaimer is kind of out of the way a little bit. Um, I want us to define... What anxiety is, what stress is, what worry is. And, and just to let you know, I'm going to be using these words interchangeably. Uh, that, I mean, these are all fairly synonymous. Anxiety, worry, stress, they're all you know, fairly similar. So if you just hear me use one of, one of them, I'm talking about all of these issues. But how can we describe anxiety? What are some of anxiety's characteristics? Um, so you and the people in the back, this might be a little small for you. Um, but there's a sense in which worry or anxiety is a desire to control people and circumstances that are out of our control. There's a sense in which worry and anxiety is a desire to control our circumstances and control people when ultimately all of that is out of our control. So just recognizing that aspect of worry and anxiety. This is kind of a strong way to put it, but anxiety and worry is a desire to be God, in a sense. Again, we're trying to control so much of our life and keep all of these things that are happening in our life to to guard us and keep us from being anxious and to keep us from being worried. Um, this is a book that, that's been very helpful that's out there by Tim, Timothy Lane, Living Without Worry. Living Without Worry. It's definitely aimed more at leaders. I know they've told you there's tables for, for, with books for leaders and then tables for students. I'm not saying you students could not handle this. It's just written more for leaders. Um, but, but something that he points out is that it is to be over-concerned or obsessed about something other than the kingdom of God. Okay, And he mentions that because of Matthew 6, which we'll get into in just a little bit. Um, but to be over-concerned. All right? Again, some strong words here. At its root, it says, God, you do not exist. You are not in control. Okay, That's very strong. I understand that. That's sobering to put it that way. But you need to think, and again, we'll, we'll unpack this and, and talk about this more. But when we begin to worry... When we begin to get anxious in life, oftentimes we're saying this. We're saying, God, you're not in control of this. God, you don't have this. So I've got to think about this. I've got to dwell on this because you're not dealing with it. And this is why, as we'll, we'll see, Jesus speaks somewhat strongly about anxiety. Um, speaks strongly about uh, not worrying. Um, also something helpful that, that Timothy Lane points out is where the word anxiety and worry come from. It's interesting. He says it's an old English word. Get this. That means to strangle. To strangle. Um, or talking about your, your throat narrowing. And so maybe some of you in this room have had a panic attack. Maybe some of you in this room have been so anxious, you feel this tightening in your chest, that you feel your throat closing up. Um, how many of you know who John Piper is? Raise your hand if you know who John Piper is. Okay, One of the most well-known uh, preachers of our time, obviously not well-known to all of you, but fairly well-known. He speaks all across the world. Um, he's been you know, a preacher for decades. He's written, I don't know, 70, 100 books. Um, when he was in junior high, he could not get up and speak in front of the, the class. 
and, and into high school. He, he said he would go to his teachers and on the first day of class and say, hey, do I have to speak in this class? And if they'd say, well, yeah. He's like, well, I can't do that. And they said, well, you're going to have to. He said, no, I just can't do it. And he said, what's the best grade I can get? Well, you probably get a C. He said, that's fine. I just can't do it. And so John Piper, this world-renowned speaker, there was a time in his life where he said he would literally get up in front of people and his throat would just close up and he could not talk. And so maybe that's some of you. Maybe you've been in situations where you get so anxious, you just feel like you cannot even talk. So it's interesting to think about where those words came from. And I think when we talk about worry, oftentimes, if we're familiar with the Scriptures, Matthew 6 is a passage that we often point people to. Um, But oftentimes we can say worry refers to the future. Because Jesus Christ says, do not worry about tomorrow. Um, Worry can also deal with the past. Okay, maybe you had something that uh, went on in your past, maybe something you did, maybe something that was done to you, and that can create worry. That can create anxiety. So it's not just about the future. Um, and again, this is something we'll get into, but Jesus Christ says, do not worry about tomorrow. And we need to realize that this is a command, too. Jesus commands, do not worry. And I know as soon as I label it as a command, we start to worry about worrying. <laughs> It's like, great. Okay, thanks, John. Thanks for that. I was already anxious. I was already worried. Now you're saying it's a command not to worry. Now I'm worrying about my worry. Alright? But we need to see this is a command. And that's why some of the reason why we put it in some strong language there that it's a desire to be God. We need to ultimately see at some foundation what it's saying. And it's not meant to heap guilt upon you and to heap more anxiety or worry upon you. Um, something else that, that's encouraging is that Jesus doesn't downplay the reality of worry. Um, Again, I just keep saying we're going to get into all of this um, in in a little bit, but in this Matthew 6 passage, in verse 34, Jesus Christ says, "...sufficient for the day is its own trouble." Basically, Jesus says, look, there's plenty to worry about. Okay? Each day has trouble, Jesus Christ is saying. Each day is going to have things that will make you worry, that will make you anxious. So Jesus isn't just saying, don't worry. What are you so worried about? He's not downplaying the reality that there is plenty to worry about. He acknowledges that. And so to me, that's an encouraging thing. He wouldn't walk in here and be like, why are y'all so worried? What is your problem? Now, he would say, I understand. I understand that there's plenty to worry about. And again, something we're going to get into, there is a difference between concern and worry. Concern and worry are different. It is okay to be concerned. That is appropriate. Um, Basically, if you love other people in this world, raise your hand if you love anybody in this world. Every hand should go up unless you're asleep. And that's part of the reason I did that, to make sure you're awake. I'm going to do things like that. Okay, so if you just raise your hand, that means you're going to be concerned in this life. And you're going to have temptation to worry. Because when you care about other people, you're often tempted to be worried or anxious that something bad could happen to those people. Your best friend could be taken from you. Your parents could be taken from you. So again, there can be concern over those that you love, but if you're just dwelling on that constantly and you cannot live, you're paralyzed because of that, that's where it starts to get into worry. But we'll we'll clarify that a little bit more 
um, in the days ahead. So look, let's ask, where did stress, anxiety, where, where did this begin? Alright, so look, obviously where everything began, we need to go back to the beginning, Genesis. Um, I am just curious, can you guys in the back read that? Like, you don't have to read it out loud. I'm not calling on you. Can you see that? You cannot? Okay. You should have it memorized, so shame on you. I'm just kidding. Um, that was a joke. Don't worry. Um, Genesis 1.1. If you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you uh, to open up your Bibles. If you're like me, I like to hold a Bible. I know some of you might have electronic Bibles. And again, this is just in case you left it in the room, if you can see it. But Genesis 1. I'm skipping around a little bit, and then we'll get into Genesis 3 in just a minute. But Genesis 1.1 says this, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then I'm skipping all the way to chapter 2, 7-9. through nine. It says, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east. And there He put the man whom He had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now, I want you to help me a little bit to think about creation. Um, These are sections of Scripture many of us, if you've grown up in the church, you're familiar with these. You've heard about the creation account. You've gone through the days of creation. Some of you are just familiar with, with all of that. But I want you to help me think about what was present in the garden besides Adam and Eve. Okay? And what I'm trying to get you to think about is, in a sense, something that's impossible for you to think about. Because we've never seen perfection with our eyes, right? This is before sin has entered creation. And so this is describing a perfect existence. But trying to think about what was in the garden. Y'all raise your hands or shout out some things. What, what was in the garden besides Adam and Eve? Yes. All of the animals of the world, right? Um, all the trees of uh, fruit and the tree of the evil. That's right, yeah. Trees, fruit, the knowledge of good and evil, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, yes. God was present in the garden? God was, yes. Satan. Um, that's, a, that's a good... said Satan. There's... That's, yeah, that's a very good statement because there are some people, we don't know when the actual fall of the angels occurred, so we won't get into that. Um, some people do argue that actually, we're not going to get into this, but Genesis 1, 1, verse 1, that the fall occurred before verse 2. Some people actually debate that. We're not getting into that. But that's that's an astute point, okay? That there was some point where the fall of the angels occurred before Genesis 3. Awesome point. We're pushing that to the side. No questions on that. Um, Anything else? What was in the garden? Anybody? Yes. What's that? Peace. Peace was in the garden. Good. Tying into our theme. Um, yeah. Okay, God. That's right. Somebody said that. Yep. What's that? Can somebody? I can't. I'm old. Grass. Good. All of vegetation. So look, here's something. As y'all said, somebody said the animal kingdom. Just think about this. The animal kingdom was present. And again, this might be debated by some people, but they weren't killing each other. 
Right? All of the animals were just dwelling together, not slaughtering each other, not devouring each other. Um, vegetation. I mean, there could be plants that we just we don't we don't know these plants today because of the fall. Like, how many of you have seen the new uh, Avengers movie? Okay, Avengers Endgame. Um, I don't know if you can see this. This is where my mind goes. But do you remember at the beginning where Thanos was picking the fruit? In the garden, by the way, he longed to go to the garden. That's an interesting thought to think about in that, in that movie. But most of you cannot see that. But yeah, these spiky kind of fruit things. Um, my mind just thinks, okay, was there fruit like that? And we know even um, the fruit that Adam and Eve ate, some people think it's an apple. You know, we don't know what it was. It could be a fruit that no longer exists. And if, to think... Like maybe it was something like this. That there was some kind of vegetation uh, that we didn't even know about. And then we know Adam and Eve sinned and Adam and Eve messed everything up. And as Christians we know sin entered creation when Adam and Eve rebelled against God. But sometimes I think, again, those of us growing in the, up in the church, we don't really think about how awful that event was. We don't think about just the devastating effects oftentimes that sin brought into this creation. That we know it's bad and we know sin's not a good thing, but we just don't stop to think about the implications of you know, living in a sinful world and what all happened. And so thinking about some of what you, you guys just named, I mean, think about the animal kingdom. Um, this is an actual picture from the garden. Um, just kidding, if you can see that, what movie is that? Okay, and what are they singing at this part of the movie? The circle of life. Is that what she said? I'm going to assume that's what she said. Um, the interesting thing, when they sing, and I love The Lion King, and I know the, the live-action Lion King is coming out, what, a couple weeks? Some people are excited. Um, that's a happy song, right? Do you know what the circle of life means? Animals devoured each other. That's what the circle of life means, right? That sin comes into creation and the stronger animals would now devour the weaker animals so the circle of life could continue. They would feed off of that. And then the, the stronger animals like the lion you know, would die and decay and feed the vegetation, you know, the grass and all of that. And so circle of life, that's a happy thing. And I just ruined this moment for you in the new Lion King movie. As they start to sing this, you're going to be like, that's not a happy song. Um, but, but that's the circle of life. Now that sin came into the world, now we have things like these thorns. And if you can see these, these are some crazy long thorns. All right? Those did not exist in Genesis 1 and 2. Now all of a sudden we have things like this. Uh, we have thorns that can pierce our flesh. And we think of the relevance. I heard a you know, pastor recently just pointing out how... you know. Specifically in Genesis 3, thorns are spoken of and how ultimately a thorn of crowns was placed on our crown of thorns was placed on our Savior's head. And so just to think about the ways in which the curse has impacted absolutely everything. Absolutely everything. Um, that the animal kingdom is now marred by sin. Vegetation is now marred by sin. What happened to Adam and Eve? Yes, after the fall, yeah. Whenever they, they realized that they were naked. That's right. Still clothes or whatever God called out to them, they did. Good, yes. 
Um, yeah, so they, they realized they were naked, he said, and they ran and hid. Yep. Okay. They were cast out of the garden. So they were, they were separated from God. What you need to see, and I'm about to zoom in on this event, this is where stress first came into being. This is where anxiety started. Okay? This is where worry began. And that's what I mean when I say sometimes we don't think about just the impact of, of sin. That those of you who are anxious right now, those of you who struggle with worry, it's because of this moment. This moment brought this emotion into creation and we struggle with it. We have uh, these issues we're dealing with now because of something that happened thousands of years ago. And again, we're not getting into the debate of how long ago this actually was. I'm just throwing out a big number. Um, So we're not going to debate that. But zooming in on this event... Um, here's what I want to do before I read this passage, and I'm going to be reading Genesis 3, 8 through 13, if you want to turn there. Um, sometimes we don't think about, like, if, if you handed anyone the Bible, like if you went up to somebody who did not go to church, someone who was an atheist, and you gave them the Bible, and you said, read Genesis 1 and 2, and they read it, and then you said, who's the main character? Who would they say? Easy Sunday school answer. God. Or you can say Jesus. Jesus is God. So, God. Okay? Easily. If they believe in Christianity, if they don't, they would easily say, well, God is the main character. Okay? Genesis 1 and 2. He creates absolutely everything. We just read a portion of that. But then, you get to Genesis 3, and guess what? The main character disappears. God isn't there in Genesis 3, 1. Okay, all of a sudden we hear about the serpent. And so if you're reading that along, you'd be like, okay, where did the main character go? Okay, well, I've been reading about this God creating everything. Now all of a sudden there's this new character, the serpent. Where was God? And that's a question I want you to think about. Where was God? Alright, as we read this. Okay, Genesis 3, verses 8-13. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me and I ate. Alright, so I want you to be thinking about where was God? Okay, that question. I'm going to come back to that question. I'm going to leave you hanging on the edge of your seats because I know you cannot wait for me to answer that question. I'm going to come back to that. But what I want you to see from this passage is that there are two things that are true about every one of you from this passage. There are two things that are true of every single human on the face of the planet from this passage. Alright, before we get to that, I wanted to tell you a story. Um, there was a, this was back in high school, uh, a friend of mine, I grew up in Laurel, Mississippi, if any of you know where that, that is, it's a small town, um, but one of my friends, he was the manager of a movie theater, and what that meant for me is that I got to see free movies. 
But not just free movies. I got to see movies before they were were released in the theater. Um, I know they have you know midnight showings in some places. This is kind of before midnight showings, which again just means that I'm old. Um, what what the movie staff would do, what the movie theater staff would do, they would screen every movie before it was released on that Friday. So 12 o'clock on Thursday, which I know is technically Friday. Nobody correct me on that. The, the staff would watch the movie to make sure the film was okay and to make sure nothing was wrong with it. And so they would have to watch it and so they would invite me up there and we'd have some friends. So sometimes it was just us in a movie theater watching a movie. And this sounds gross, but it's not gross, okay? They had a garbage can filled with popcorn for us. The garbage can was clean. It was only used to put the leftover popcorn in. So we weren't eating out of this nasty popcorn. But they'd bring a garbage can in there and we'd all just grab handfuls of popcorn and watch a movie. Nobody else was in the theater. And the movie would probably end at like 2 in the morning. And then we would play hide-and-seek or sardines, if y'all played sardines. It's kind of reverse hide-and-seek where one person goes and hides and then everybody tries to find them. Um, and you've got to think that, you, you know, as you're looking for somebody in sardines, you're walking around an empty movie theater and then all of a sudden you realize you're the only one left and everyone's disappeared and it's dark and I wasn't scared, but other people got scared. Now I would get, I would get a little scared. It's like this is a little creepy. I'm in a movie theater by myself. Um, and and something that you know, as we think of sardines or hide and seek, part of our draw to those games is that there's a there's an element of fear involved. Right? You don't want to get caught. You don't want to be found. You don't want to be the last one left. There's this element of fear involved in those games. You know what? Some could say that Genesis 3.8 was the first game of hide-and-seek ever invented. Right? Except, obviously, they didn't do too good of a job of hiding. Adam and Eve, that is. Um, God knew exactly where they were as He came um, to look for them. But again, I want you to see two truths about yourself in this section. Um, the, The first truth is, you're all afraid. Everyone in this room is afraid. You're afraid of something. Verse 10a, Adam says, I was afraid when I heard the sound of you. Okay? Sin ushered in this inappropriate fear, we could say. There, there's a sense in which fearing God is a good thing. Okay, That was probably in existence before the fall. Again, we won't get into all of that. But this inappropriate fear has now come where they run away from this God that they love. And so we believe that our sin spread, or Adam and Eve's sin spread to us, and an aspect of that sin is that we're afraid. So you need to realize, some of you in this room want to deny that you're not afraid, but we are all afraid. And what are some things we're we're afraid of? It could be relationships with other people. People are awesome, but people are also mean. Can we agree on that? Who thinks people are mean? (laughs) All of us. So maybe you're afraid of some relationships. Maybe you're afraid of some other people that make life miserable. Um, Maybe you come from a tough house. Maybe there's issues in your home that are difficult that cause fear. Maybe it's some teachers. Right? Maybe it's some coaches. But relationally, there's, there's all kinds of um, things we could be afraid of. 
I mean, think of all the different phobias. Okay? Who's afraid of spiders in this room? Alright? Who's afraid of being in tight spaces? What do we call that? Claustrophobia. I mean, being buried alive, that could terrify some of you. Getting in an elevator and you're pressing the button and you realize, hey, the door's not opening. It's getting hot in here. And you start mashing the button and you want to get out. Some of you might be a little afraid of that. There's all kinds of things we're afraid of. Do you have a question? Oh, you're afraid of tight spaces? Yes. Um, maybe some of you are afraid of crowds. Public speaking. Maybe if you're in, in the classroom and the teacher says, Bobby, answer this question. I don't know if there's a Bobby out there. Sally, would you stand up and say this? Maybe your heart would just begin to race and you would get terrified if that happened. Um, quiz for you. Do you know what a fear of clowns is called? Say it again. Clown phobia. It's close. Say it a little real loud. Horrophobia. Good job. Way to go. So look, does that scare some of you? That clown? No. And, and he says free hugs, okay? Um, but some of you might be afraid of that clown. We'll get rid of the clown um, so he's not there anymore. Um, what, what you need to see is that worry, worry, anxiety, and fear, I'm sorry, worry, anxiety, and stress are an aspect of this fear. Okay? As we talk about fear on a broad spectrum, worry, anxiety, stress fit under this umbrella of fear. Okay? And so we can say, since you're all afraid in this classroom, you're all worried about something. You're all anxious about something. And some of you are like, yeah, John, obviously that's why we signed up for this class. <laughs> Thanks for telling me that information. I already was aware of that. But another aspect of this is you're all hiding. Verse 8 and verse 10 tell us that Adam and Eve hid. Twice it says that they hid. And we need to realize, again, their sin spreading to us, there's this desire in us that moves us to hide. That causes us to want to hide. And so you need to realize that, listen, right now, at this moment, you are all hiding. Every one of you are hiding in some way. And some of you may be thinking, John, I'm right here in the open. How can I be hiding? Alright? There are many ways in which we can hide. Um, there's a comedian, some of you may have heard me quote. He says, when you meet someone, you don't meet them, you meet their representative. When you meet someone, you don't meet them, you meet their representative. Okay? That means when you meet somebody, they actually don't meet you. They meet the person you want them to think you are. But the real you is the you when you're alone in your room. When nobody's watching. The real you is what goes on up here. The things that you're thinking about. That's the real you. And so look, we can hide behind a personality. We can hide behind a persona of ourselves that maybe you're the really funny person in your group and so you might can hide behind your humor. Maybe you're an athletic person and so you can hide behind your athleticism. You know, this is what you're good at and so you can hide behind that. You can hide behind all sorts of personalities. Look, you can hide behind your smartphone. It's a place that many people hide. Um, oftentimes, and this is true of adults, you walk into a crowded room and you don't recognize anybody, you grab your phone and you look at it. 
And that's where you hide. Because it's a safe place. You can act like, okay, I'm not really anxious. I'm just going to look at my phone and pretend to be texting somebody who didn't text me. And I really just texted somebody saying, hey, text me real quick so I can look like I'm texting. Maybe. Um, So you can hide behind a whole lot of things. Entertainment is another place we can hide. Right? When the difficulties of life come about, you can hide in YouTube. You can hide in just binge-watching on Netflix. You can hide in, as I just said, phone, Instagram, Snapchat. I know none of you use Facebook anymore, right? I think you're all going to go back there. As all of the parents get on Snapchat, you're going to go back to Facebook. That's what's going to happen. It's my prediction. Uh, okay, so what does all of this have to do with worry? I, I can't remember off the top of my head. Does this end at 10.30? Somebody tell me. Is that right? Okay, 10.30. Thank you. Um, so I'm, I'm wrapping this up. Okay, so follow me on this, okay? The first thing, as I said, you're all afraid, okay? We need to just own that. We need to accept that. It's fairly clear from Scripture. The second thing is you all hide. And and let me just say, I, I should have said this, there are valid reasons to hide, okay? And valid reasons to fear. Listen to me. If any of you have dealt with family members getting cancer, you're going to be afraid. And that's okay. Okay, There are valid things to be afraid of. There are valid reasons to hide. As I said, let's just say there are people who bully you and mock you. It is appropriate to want to get away from those people and want to hide from those people and say, okay, when I walk down the hallway at school, these people make fun of me. I'm going down this hallway instead. That's appropriate to hide that way by going in this direction. So I want to be clear to say that there are valid reasons to fear, valid reasons to hide. Okay? Um, But here's the thing. There's only one place to hide. There's only one place to truly hide. Not one of five places or many options to pick from. There's only one place to hide. And here's another truth. If you try to hide anywhere else you will have more anxiety, more worry, more stress. So, hear me clearly. There's only one place for you to hide. Okay? And if you start hiding in other places, like your phone, like binge-watching, like friendships even, it could create more anxiety, more worry, more stress. Now, this does not mean that God in His grace doesn't give us other places in which we can find temporary relief. That is, let's just say somebody does pick on you at school and school is rough. And you just go home and you're like, I'm going to binge watch something that just makes me laugh. And you start to watch it and you start to laugh. You get relief from that stress, from that anxiety, from that that, um, fear. And so it can give you temporary relief. Over time, if that's the only place you're hiding, it's not going to solve your problem. It's not going to be your ultimate place to hide. And again, we can enjoy some of those things, even like television shows, because God in His grace gives us places that we can hide. But again, only one ultimate place you can hide. And so, the question for you is, where are you hiding? Where are you hiding? How do you hide in your daily life? And so let me come back around because I've got five minutes and answer the question, where was God? 
Okay, do y'all remember me asking that question? Who was awake when I asked that question? Raise your hands if you remember me asking, where was God? Because it can sound somewhat heretical, and so I want to be sure to clarify that. But I want to answer this question because first and foremost, it gives us a picture of the character of God. But secondly, it tells us about our worry. It tells us about our anxiety. And so, going back to that moment in Genesis 3, Adam and Eve just sinned, right? They did exactly what God said not to do. Hey, don't do that one thing. They did it. And because of that, they became sinful. They became wicked. They became evil. And because of that, they could not dwell in the presence of God. Right? Because God is perfect, He's pure, He's righteous, He's good, so He could not be around them anymore. So please hear me clearly. There's a sense in which Adam and Eve didn't hide from God. God hid from Adam and Eve. God, He wasn't being cruel. God was being gracious. God knew He would destroy them if they were in His presence just because He is so pure. They would have exploded, right? So God hid His ultimate, awesome, beautiful glory from their sinful faces because Adam and Eve would have died in that moment had He been there. And so we know there's a sense in which, yes, God is omnipresent. God is absolutely everywhere. But He was not revealing His full glory to them because they would have died. And so we think not only did God hide from them, but but what else did God do in that moment? God gave them coverings, right? Because what did Adam and Eve try to cover themselves with? Fig leaves, okay? I don't know how much you know about fig leaves, but they're not that great from shielding from infinite, eternal glory. They can't do that very well, okay? So what God does is God gives them clothing, right? What does He give them as clothing? Animal skins, okay? So listen to me. Their two problems were they were afraid and they hid. God solved their problems. Okay? God took care of their fear by covering up their naked, nakedness. And God gave them a place to hide. So they just sinned against their Creator. And He's like, let me provide for you, children. Let me take care of you. Even though they sinned against Him. And what you have to see, many of you already know this, this was the first bloodshed in all of human history. Do you realize that? Where did these animal skins come from? An animal. So that means an animal was slaughtered to give them these skins. Okay? And what you need to see is that ultimately, again, I said I'm wrapping up. I've got two minutes in case you're looking at the clock. Ultimately, where does this point us? Easy Sunday school answer. Okay, I heard some people say Jesus. Let's say it really loud on count three. One, two, three. This event points us to Jesus. Listen to me. God is saying, you know, I'm providing you these animal skins, but this blood and these skins are ultimately pointing you to someone else who will deliver you from all of your fear. This is pointing you to the one person you can hide in. And I know that can sound strange. How do we hide in Jesus? Okay, that's what we're going to answer tomorrow, and that's what we're going to answer um, on Thursday as well. 
But as you leave here, as you leave today, and we've kind of described some of what anxiety is, some of what worry is, I want you to ask yourself these questions. Because as you leave here, you need to have something to do. You need to have something to think about. So again, just asking yourself the question, what am I afraid of? Now ask yourself that question. Write it down and think about it. What am I afraid of? Or maybe it's better to say, who am I afraid of? And then asking yourself the other question, where am I hiding? Where am I hiding? Where is your favorite place to hide? Is it your phone? Is it television? Is it binge watching? Um, Asking yourself those questions. Um, So again, we'll get into some of this tomorrow and the next day. Let me close this in prayer because we need to get out of here. Father, we thank You for um, being exactly that, a Father uh, who is good and loving to His children. Even as we see Adam and Eve mess up, and as John Trapp talked about last night, um, ultimately the Bible is is about a, a bunch of people who just mess up. That there's only one hero in the Scriptures. So God, help us to be encouraged that even though we are sinners and we should be humbled by our sin, that You are gracious and You are loving and You still provided for Adam and Eve in that moment. And to this day, You provide for us in the midst of our worries, in the midst of our anxiety. You are the loving Father saying, do not fear because You are with us. So I pray that You would help these students begin to grasp that, help these leaders begin to grasp that more and more, help help myself to begin to grasp that and to believe that more and more. Be with these students as they go off to their next classes. I pray that You'd give them focus and that You would teach them from Your Word and that You would sustain us the rest of the day and help us to return here tonight to worship You. It's in Your Son's name we pray. Amen.